0: Who are the biggest risers in fantasy football dynasty rankings this offseason? We're going to talk about eight players skyrocketing up our personal rankings on today's episode of the Fantasy Football Fellows Podcast. Welcome in Lucas Munzo, Cameron Lawrence, just hanging out with you today. No Tyler, quite literally taking his dog to a grooming appointment. That is not a joke. You think you're going to laugh when you hear that. Um, that is the legit reason why he is not here.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting excuse. It's the first time I've heard it. I'll give it to him. Uh, we haven't checked the validity for sure, but that is what he has gone with. So we will give it to him.
0: He is dog sitting for his parents. Uh, we love Mo Dog, but man, to to give Mo a grooming appointment to miss out on an episode, oh, unbelievable. We're just razzing them, of course. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, eight players who are skyrocketing up our rankings uh, in dynasty formats on today's episode. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel or the podcast already, make sure you do that and turn on those notifications as well. That way, you're going to be alerted when all of our newest content is up. We're still coming to you year round. We're going to be turned to a dynasty focus now. We got an exciting guest coming on with us next week as well. That's an episode you're not going to want to miss. So, again, make sure you subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when all of our new episodes are up. Without further ado, though, let's talk about the players who are absolutely skyrocketing Upper Dynasty rankings this offseason. Now, there's a lot of guys that I feel like we probably could have gone with in this episode. I think some people might expect, like, a Kyron Williams to be in this episode. Uh, I'm going to give him an honorable mention because I think we could talk about him, but mm-hmm. he feels like one that like consensus around the community is just like, Nope, he's in that upper echelon. Put him there. Uh, no debate about it. So we're going to try and talk about a few other guys that yeah, mate might seem a little bit obvious. and report is another one, right? Where it's like, mm. it's not much fun to debate the, the consensus overall dynasty tight <laughs> end one in this episode. And we're like, yeah, Samuel Porter is really freaking good and he's on a really freaking good offense and he's going to be really freaking good in years to come. Right. So we're, we're going to avoid talking about some of the some of those guys. But uh, Cameron, I'll let you kick things off here. You're actually going to start with a player that uh, I actually think is going to surprise people. But I also like the argument that you have for this player. Uh, and we're not even starting with a running back or wide receiver no. like we typically do.
1: Yeah, and I think too, when we think of guys skyrocketing up our dynasty rankings, we think of guys in their first probably two, maybe three seasons, but especially when it comes to the quarterback position, these guys are just around for so much longer. I mean, you look at I mean, just we look at like a guy like Kirk Cousins right now, right? He's 35 coming off an Achilles tear, and we're still saying teams might want to sign him for a three-year contract, right? So he's still got some some juice left in the tank. I'm not talking about Kirk Cousins, but I am talking about Kyler. Murray, who's gonna be back for his first full season off the ACL tier. He is our consensus dynasty quarterback nine. I have met at eight. Lucas, you have met nine, and Tyler has him all the way down to the eleven so we'll have to talk to him a little later about that. but
0: once he gets back from that dog grooming up exactly like, dog wow, grooming. yeah,
1: um I mean who what who sticks someone with dog grooming when they're <laughs> uh, dog sitting for you? I mean that's just tough. Tyler, you gotta <laughs> talk to your parents of that one. heard about that one, but Kyler is only 26 years old. He's younger than Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. He's younger than Joe Burrow, which we talked about just before we started. That's just a crazy mind blowing stat. You know, that's like if you were to put, if you were to ask me and they said, hey, you get 20 bucks if you get it right, who's older, Kyler or Burrow? I'd pick Kyler Hanson. I'd pick Kyler, yeah. But it's Burrow. Uh, Since 2019, he has averaged 18.2, 24.4. 22.2, 18.9, 18.9 22.2 18.9 18.9 fantasy points per game respectively each season. Other than his rookie year, other than that first 18.2, he's been top 8 quarterback in points per game. Right, that that's fantastic. This season only five quarterbacks had over 18.9 fantasy points um per game. Or actually no, it's, I take that back. Seven of them. He would have been quarterback 8 this year as well. Right? And this year he wasn't running nearly as much, right? He came halfway through the season and Arizona was terrible this year. Um, He's going to be fully healthy and he's shown that he can put up almost 4,000 yards and 37 total touchdowns in a season, which he did back in 2020. In his three healthy seasons, he's thrown for at least 3,700 yards. He's rushed for at least 480 yards in each season. He's had at least 25 touchdowns right these are great stats and he's just a guy who's going to continue to perform he's a guy who's always got it done done on the ground um even this last year coming back off injury right 244 rushing yards in 8 games so we're looking at about again about 510 rushing yards on the season it was what he would have averaged if he would have played 17 games which coming off an ACL we weren't expecting him to really run but he still did he still showed that they can and they're in a spot where They're committed to him moving forward, so they're going to be looking to take a Marvin Harrison or a Malik Neighbors in this draft, and that's going to be huge just to add another person, even if Marquise Brown walks. Because I think we can agree, Marquise Brown's been great, but he's not an alpha, he's not a number one wide receiver. And actually, and then having who you're gonna spoiler, um, talk about a little bit later, Trey McBride over there as well has been huge, right? Just from a safety blanket perspective um just from a guy that he can you know dump off but then mcbride can also make some plays so he, they're they're gonna build the offense around him. they they can't be worse than they were last year he's gonna have a full healthy off season and he still averaged 18.9 fancy points per game last year so i think kyler's just a guy that okay he's healthy again he should be viewed as a top eight top nine quarterback moving forward
0: the thing about Kyler murray that i'm encouraged by as well especially coming off that ACL tear. Like we've even seen, and not even ACL tear, we've seen Dak Prescott when he had his nasty ankle sprain the one mm. year, right? Dak Prescott just didn't come back as mobile the following year. And that's typically mm-hmm. how it is with these quarterbacks, Joe Burrow even, right? Not that yeah. Joe Burrow is the most mobile guy in the world, but like he's basically, you know, restricted to not, not I shouldn't say restricted to just a pocket passer, but you know, again, the, these guys who have these lower body injuries, they just don't come back as mobile. Yet you look at Kyler when he came back last year, because that was a big concern, right? It's like, how mobile is Kyler going to be willing to be? During his stretch when he came back, 44 rush attempts. I mean, it's nothing astronomical. But you look at the state of the quarterback position, that was the sixth most. He had three yeah. rush touchdowns as well. You have James Conner who's on the market this offseason. Uh, they may not bring him back. And I'm not saying they're going to, you know, run out Amari De Mercado out there. I'm not saying they're going to run out a nobody at the running back position. But what it does is that if you don't have that formidable goal line force, it gives Kyler Murray more opportunities around the goal line as well. So I think where people are going to be tempted to, you know, have guys like Brock Purdy or Trevor Lawrence, mm-hmm. um, you know, ahead of him. I think those are two names that, you know, when they see them fall in our rankings, Justin Fields, even, um, you know, when they see, you know, Kyler Murray is ahead of some of those guys in our dynasty rankings, which you can, by the way, get in our chalkboard down in the link in the description of the video you are listening to. Um, I think people be surprised to see that, but at the same time, like Kyler's kind of the complete package, right? He can, he can be a 35, uh, excuse me, 3,500 yard passer for you. He can toss mm. you know, 25 plus touchdowns in a season. He can run for like, he can basically be Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And they're going to continue to add to this offense. I, I'm 100% in agreement. This isn't a team that's also going to turn everything around in one year. Mm-hmm. They're going to continue to struggle. They're going to continue to play from behind. Again, I'll talk about this later when I talk about my spoiler trade McBride already. <laughs> I I still like Kyler Murray in Dynasty formats, especially for how young he is. I think he's going to be one that people are going to overlook. And frankly, um, as I'm thinking about you know my buy and sell candidates next week, like Kyler Murray might be one of my Favorite by candidates in dynasty formats right now. And I say that because I went out and did it last season when he came back mm-hmm. to the
1: country. Yeah. And I we we talked about this. We had a meeting this morning as the fellas, and we were looking, I was looking at a dynasty league. I got where we Superflex, I got Lamar and Mahomes, and I was like, man, I want to go try and sell Mahomes for Kyler Plus. <laughs> and I go look, and of course, Lucas has them. So I'm like, and Lucas also has Josh Allen. So I can't give Lucas a team of Josh Allen of Patrick Mahomes. And so it's it's a fight that I'm having where I really want to go do it. But at the same time, I feel like the whole league would be on me if Lucas pulled out a championship this year. So it's, it's an internal fight, but yeah, I'm hundred percent agreement. I think he's a great buy right now in dynasty.
0: Uh, You also get the part that I have Travis Kelsey in that league too. Not that Travis Kelsey is a formidable threat, but you know, I, I would gladly take the Mahomes Kelsey stack if I could uh, get it in a super flex dynasty (laughs) league, but I digress. I agree. I think Kyler Murray, is a guy, uh, yeah, where I think people would, would have him, you know, in that coming into last season, you know, in that, you know, 15-ish range probably, but now he's in our inside of our top 10 quarterbacks. And I really mm-hmm. uh, don't hate that whatsoever. You brought up at the start of your uh Kylan Murray dialogue there that uh typically, you know, we focus on guys, you know, who are you know two, three years into the league. And uh, I am gonna focus on a guy who's gonna be entering into his second year in the league, and that is Rasheed Rice of the Kansas City Chiefs. These are consensus wide receiver 17, uh, 17 for both of us. Cameron, Ty actually has him ahead of us at 16. Uh, I am really tempted to keep moving him up my dynasty rankings because the more digging I do on Rasheed Rice, the more and more excited I get about him going mm-hmm. into 2024. I mean, a lot of people liked him coming out of SMU, but also <laughs> a lot of people said they liked Sky more coming out of Western Kentucky the year prior. Mm-hmm. And uh, we all saw how that turned out everybody got burned on Sky Moore who was in on him so there was already this baddish taste with their she rice going in the last season to begin with and I mean he started off slow like all rookie wide receivers do right but then we saw that second half rookie leap that we almost are guaranteed to see every year people are like oh they've been struggling though but in the first part of the year in redraft formats but it's like it's coming you just have to be patient because it takes time to get acclimated to the league so in six games, From week 12 on, Rasheed Rice, he drew nine targets a game, seven receptions a game, averaged 86 receiving yards per game. He led all wide receivers in yak yards after the catch with 402 yards. And I just got on the kick. He was the wide receiver for in PPR formats during that stretch. I mean, it was a 2021 Amon Ra-esque stretch for him. Amon Ra's was was definitely better. But, you know, you look at the numbers, you look at the comparisons, the volume, and, and just the spike that you saw in the second half of the season, it, there's a lot of similarities between the two. So unless Kansas city brings in a high caliber wide receiver, this off season, like a Mike Evans, who's now reported to actually be, you know, be on the mark of a free agency. It sounds like him and him and Tampa Bay are pretty far apart on a deal, but unless if Kansas city brings in a high caliber wide receiver, like those are the vibes I'm getting for Amon or for Rasheed rice going into 2024, those Amon raw vibes. He's never going to be this contested catch field stretching threat like a T Higgins, like a Mike Evans, but he's going to be a reliable high percentage catch receiver. That's going to be over the middle of the field. He's going to be a great possession receiver for the Kansas city chiefs that could absolutely feast on yards after the catch. So I love Rasheed rice, unless they bring in a high profile Mike Evans, which I don't think they would do because let's be real. They got to fork out a lot of money to Chris Jones. If they want to keep him around if they want to keep luxurious Sneed around with spags coming back as well they're not going to have money to spend on Mike Evans. So, and even like I've seen people talk like, what if they take a a Lad McConkie at the end of the first round or you know, God forbid, you know, Keon Coleman, right? They, you know, another young wide receiver. I don't think that matters because Rasheed Rice is the established one. He's the one who has a rapport built out with Patrick Mahomes. I'm not worried about any of those guys, unless if it's a Marvin Harrison, a Malik Neighbors, a Roma Dunze, then then I might have a little bit of nerves, but those guys are going top ten, and the Chiefs aren't in any you know spot to trade all the way up yep. from thirty-two inside of the top ten. So I love She Rice going into next year. He is definitely one of the the biggest skyrocketers up my rankings this off season.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I think at first I've, I I had been worried. Oh, what if they do bring in somebody you know else? What what is that going to look like? Patrick Holmes threw the ball five hundred ninety-seven times last <laughs> year. That was third yeah. most, right? So there's going to be targets to go around and I guarantee if they bring someone else, they're not going to go, hey, let's take him from Rasheed Rice. It's going to be, hey, let's not throw the ball to Kadarius Tony MBS <laughs> anymore, right? It's going to be, let's not throw the ball to Justin Watson, right? They're going to figure out how to get it. The only two guys I'd really be worried about them bringing in is Michael Pittman, which I don't yep. think they do, because he, I think he could play a similar similar area of the field, and Brian Thomas Jr. out of LSU. Sure. And the Chiefs has shown, right, they aren't interested as much in taking a first-round wide receiver. They'd rather fill out the team elsewhere, and I don't think they change that after winning two Super Bowls in a row, but if they bring in a Keon Coleman, if they sign T. Higgins, these guys, like you said, these guys are contested catch guys. These guys are going to play strictly on the outside. They're going to be the big play guys, which is not Rasheed Rice's area. Travis Kelsey is only getting older, and I think just having that rapport with Mahomes being – other than Kelsey and uh, Tyree Kill, the, you know, the third wide receiver ever to really have a connection with Mahomes, is going to be a pretty big deal for him.
0: I couldn't agree more. Let's move on to to your next player, Cameron. Uh, we're going to talk about another pass catcher here, but I'm shocked. Like you, <laughs> you only have one wide receiver or running back mm-hmm. uh, in your top four skyrocketing players here, but uh, go ahead. Let's talk about this next player. Cause I think we're going to have a little bit of fun with this one.
1: Yeah, it's, it's Kyle Pitts. And I I know the no, running back. No,
0: no. I, I
1: know, I know. Everybody's, why are you back on the train? And the biggest reason is I just think quarterback's going to be better than this year than it was last year. It I don't care who they bring in. It is going to be better. And coaching usage of Kyle Pitts cannot get worse. Um, he is our consensus tight at nine. I have him at seven, Lucas at 10, Tyler at nine. Um, his rookie season, I don't think like it was really impressive. Other than the fact he didn't score touchdowns. The reason we look at his rookie season as a disappointment is because we decided to all draft him in the third round when he was not a third round candidate, right? No rookie tight end, except for Sam Laporta this year should be a rookie tight end. But in 2021 as a rookie 68 receptions, 110 targets, 1026 yards, by the way, that's 140 more receiving yards than Sam Laporta had this season but he only had one touchdown that 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 was it for Kyle Pitts that was the reason it wasn't as memorable 10.4 points per game tight end 11 Um, but I want to compare him to a player in 2023 this season I'm going to give you this guy's stat line I want you to tell me who he was 65 receptions 90 targets 1020 yards and six touchdowns 12.7 points per game do you know who that was
0: Um, 12.7 points. He was a tight end
1: five this year.
0: That see my initial thought is if I knew how many games he played, my initial thought is Hawk had way more targets than that. My initial thought is like a George Kittle or Mark Andrews.
1: It is George Kittle. So George Kittle in 16 games. in 16 games this year is the tight end five had three less receptions. And six less yards on the season that Kyle Pitts did his rookie year. Um, and the big difference was Kittle had six touchdowns this year compared to Pitts's one. So I'm not saying necessarily that Pitts is all of a sudden going to be this tight end one in Dynasty this next year. Right. I, I think there's a long way to go with Laporta's McBride's Kincaid's now. Kelsey's right. still there. Andrew's still there. But I think he's going to be in that conversation. He's the, there's only one other tight end in NFL history to go over 1000 yards in the rookie season. Um, Kyle Pitts and Mike Dick were the two this last year. He was first in air yards, first in air yard share among tight ends, 10th and route run first in deep targets and first in re- unrealized air yards, which means they used him down the field where he belongs. The f- problem was they just didn't connect, right? Desmond Ritter wasn't it. Atlanta's going to have to find something else. Right, you can't be a new regime and just keep going back to what you know doesn't work. So there will be a quarterback upgrade, and that's what gets me excited. Is I think we can, we know that the talent is there for Kyle Pitts. We know that, you know how good he can be. It's just can he get the opportunity? Can he stay on the field? And I, the only real issue and the only real thing that scares me, is well, how do I want to say this? How big of a reason is his run blocking? Like how how big of a weakness yeah. is that that they kept taking him off the field? Like if that's a big enough reason that he can't play, then that becomes an issue. But at the same time, the dude's a 6'4", 250 hundred and fifty pound wide receiver. Yeah, he really is. And it's not like Travis Kelsey is necessarily the best blocker, right? And the Chiefs can figure out a way to get him on the field, so it doesn't worry me too much unless it's just like they can't even have him block at all. But I don't I don't see that being the issue. So I have Kyle Pitts personally climbing up my um
0: climbing up my dynasty rankings. So I agree with a lot of what you said. I do think the quarterback situation gets better this offseason. Now my concern with that is how much better does it get? Who is going to be the quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons in 2024? Uh, because if it's Justin Fields, I think I'm gonna move Kyle Pitts on my Dynasty rankings. Uh, Justin Fields last year he had a forty point seven percent completion, a uh, deep ball completion percentage uh, that was thirteenth best of all quarterbacks. Um, which again, if, you, if you're talking about using Kyle Pitts downfield, you want someone who could be able to deliver him the ball downfield because too many times you see Desmond Ritter, Taylor Heineke just absolutely sail one like mm-hmm. not like like sail is the appropriate word. It wasn't just like a miss like they sail it you know five yards above Kyle Pitts' head and it's like where. Where are you throwing that? Like, it, it's baffling to me sometimes. It's like I did feel bad for Kyle Pitts because he does need someone who can deliver him the football. Now, if it's a Jaden Daniels or JJ McCarthy, who are you know three and four respectively, assuming Washington goes Drake May and whoever picks at number one goes Caleb Williams, are we sure they're going to? Be beneficial for Kyle Pitts right away? Do they need time to get settled and acclimated into the NFL as well? That's where I have more hesitations. But I also don't disagree that the coaching is only going to get better because mm-hmm. Arthur Smith isn't there. And I like it, it feels like a curse that's going to be lifted off of you know, Drake London, B. John Robinson, Kyle Pitts shoulders because Arthur Smith isn't trying to get cute uh, and do just so many unnecessary things in that offense We're just like you drafted these guys, top 10, give them the damn, give them the damn football, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, it, it's not complicated. So I do think that gets better. I just still have questions around the quarterback position. Who is it going to be? If they bring in a Kirk cousins, I think that's another one too. I didn't bring up Kirk cousins. He's another candidate that they could bring in. Uh, and I would be more in on Kyle Pitts then, but. I need to see who the quarterback is before I'm like completely back in and willing to, to take a stab at him again this year.
1: Yeah. I mean, the thing is Desmond threw the ball 25 times a game last year, so it's not going to get worse. They're not going to throw it less. Um, just for like a comparison, Geno Smith, the Seattle, we don't, we don't think of Seattle as a high, high powered, you know, throwing offense. He threw the ball 34 times a game last year. So I do think, you know, (laughs) there is going to be room for, um, improvement one of the reasons they got rid of arthur smith is arthur blank the um CEO or the owner was just like he doesn't use our weapons like we want him to so i would assume that the new regime is going to come in and be like okay let's get london like you said let's get pitts let's get um, bijan a little more involved
0: so i think i think it's a fair point to say that yeah, yeah kyle pitts i'm back in he's back on track yeah a few more dominoes need need to fall in order for me to to be all the way back in mm-hmm. but I don't fault anyone who who's like, you know what? Yeah, Kyle Pitts. Uh, yeah, and, I think I'm back in
1: and we're not saying like I said at the beginning, I'm not saying he's tight end one right now. Yeah, right? Right. I have him at tight end seven. So it's not like, oh my gosh, he's the greatest thing of all time. It's just I think he might be worth drafting is where we're at. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yep. yeah. No, I, I hear you on that. Uh, let's take a quick break. We're going to have five more players to go through, but uh, we'll hear from our friends over at Underdog Fantasy first. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Now, we love Underdog. It is the easiest place to play best ball formats, and they even have their own form of player props called Pick'em. You can make up to 20 times your money on a single night by correlating props together. Two picks will triple your money, three will six times it, four will ten times it, and five plays that all hit will multiply your entry by 20. You can even place insurance on your picks, too, so if only four of your five props hit, you still get ten times your entry. And if you use our code FELLAS when signing up, Underdog is going to double your first deposit up to $100 righty we are back. You were like right on time with that one. I was impressed. That's I think great. So. Uh so far we have talked about Kyla Murray. We've talked about Rasheed Rice and Kyle Pitts. I am going to talk about our first running back on the day as the next player skyrocketing on my dynasty rankings. Now, some people might say this is an obvious one. I, I think there's enough discourse that I don't feel bad making him one of my skyrocketing players, uh, but it is Devon. A. Chan. Uh, he is our consensus running back eight. I have him at eight. cam. You got a one spot higher than me at seven. Ty has him at running back eight as well. He Devon Achan might be the biggest dynasty. Enigma this offseason. Mm-hmm. We all know how explosive he is. He is a dynamite play waiting to happen, but the fragility is so hard to get over. We're talking about a teeny tiny little man, five foot nine, 188 pounds dealt with both knee and ankle injuries, causing him to miss five and basically six games last year when he left early after missing four weeks. Uh, But for me, I'm very much willing to overlook the fragility for a few reasons. First of all, I think you and I both agree on this. All running backs in the NFL are injury risks, whether we want to admit it or not, some higher than others. I'm not saying that, you know, Devon Achane is the same injury risk as, you know, uh, pick a running back. Who's m- appearingly more durable, but mm-hmm when we thought guys like Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb were invincible, they like, they reminded us that playing human bumper cars is just not good for the human body. Right. <laughs> like it, you have a high chance of injury, no matter who you are. If you are constantly crashing yourself into other men who are sizably bigger than you, like these are not small boys on the defensive line. Um, and, but the second thing really though, for, if for if looking at Devon H and analytically, the advanced stats for him are just bonkers from this last year. He was, we know how hyper efficient he was eight yards per carry last year. And in healthy games, he led all running backs with 434 breakaway yards. Uh, His breakaway run rate was all the way up at 12.6%, which led all running backs. And he was fifth in those healthy games as well in yards after contact. He led all running backs in yards after contact per attempt with 5.16 yards. He created 4.62 yards per touch which was fourth of all running backs and he led all running backs in fantasy points per opportunity at 1.36 points per opportunity last year. So then you boil in the Miami Dolphins explosive run scheme, you factor in Raheem Mostert starting to age out at 32 years old. I mean this is this is a 10 year difference between the two. Devon Achan is only 22 years old. Raheem Mostert's going to be 22 going into or 32, excuse me, going into next season. I really don't think Devon a is just lightning in a bottle that we got for six weeks. I think he can be the real deal in this Miami Dolphins offense. And I get people are concerned. I get it. So look, I, the best ability is availability. I get it. Devon a is a guy I would much rather call my shot on in Dynasty and be wrong after what I've seen than say, hey, you know what? I'd rather not take the chance on him. I think he has a higher chance of being a bust, And then he plays a full healthy 16. It's it's the discourse around Christian McCaffrey, right? This is what we're looking at with CMC. After all his knee injuries they are like, ah, I don't know. Is he ever going to be the same? Is he going to be able to stay healthy? And those who stayed loyal to CMC and Cameron, you were one of those people. It's like, I don't care. Hmm. I really don't care. Um, That has paid dividends for you. And that's what I'm looking at Devon Chan as not the same level as Christian McCaffrey, but you know what, instead of saying, hey, you know what? He's too injured all the time, I'm out. From what I've seen, this dude is explosive. He is dynamite. I would much rather call my shot and be wrong than be on the outside looking in and saying, Holy crap, I missed out on an absolute stud running back.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's the biggest thing is running backs, it's such a short window, anyways.
0: Yes. That yes.
1: it's kind of like, all right, I'm guess I'm just you know, it's you're two years off, so then you know you just kind of re refine it. and like you said, he is at this point the only running back with running back one potential that you could get without having to give up two plus first, right? I mean, I think that's yeah, that's the biggest thing around von Achan right now is the we know the ceiling. we saw it this year. It's just like you said, there's just a lot of question marks around it. But I think he proved enough. And the way Miami runs this offense proved enough that if he is on the field, he will be fantastic. It's yep. just as long as he is on
0: the field. And that and that's all it is. Mm-hmm. And again, I am willing to overlook that because of how explosive he is. And he's just a guy I would much rather be in on than mm-hmm. out on. I mean, I think about um friend of the show, Jagger May, fantasy Fantasy Blue Chip. If you don't follow him on Twitter, he's a great follow over there. Uh, I mean, it was the same thing with Keaton Mitchell right now. Keaton Mitchell, unfortunate outcome ACL injury, but I remember he posted a video where he's like, I'm not missing out on Keaton Mitchell. Like I missed out on Devon Achan. like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I got the one week. It's like, okay, yeah, but, it, but is it really real? And it ended up being real and you're like, crap, I missed out. <laughs> and so like, I think that same mentality has to carry into the off season of, you know what? If you had your chance at Devon Achan and and didn't get him. I think this is your chance to take a swing again because he's, he's a top 10 dynasty running back for all of us. And I think he rightfully belongs there. And I think there's others in the community who might even say we're too low at running back aid, which is oh, a crazy sure. thing for sure. Okay. Go back to you, Cam. Uh, let's talk about another wide receiver. Now that is skyrocketing up your rankings again, another name that I didn't expect, but I also think uh, there's a strong case here for it.
1: It's DJ Morris. It's similar to Kyler in the way that, right. It's not a first, second, third, I'm DJ Moore. What season is he entering? Is this gonna be his he this is gonna be his seventh NFL season?
0: Is it seventh? I was seventh, gonna say sixth.
1: And he's played six so far. This will be his seventh coming up, and he will be just turning 27, oh. which is wild, right? <laughs> it's is, wild. That is wild. Um, was, you know, like I said, he's the same age as Kyler, so it's right, right. It it is pretty ridiculous. Um, but for me on this offense, the way you know they want to use DJ more. I think what we saw this year is gonna be what we see coming, you know, moving forward till probably the end of his prime, which is gonna be probably your 29, 30, 31. Right? You're gonna have three to five more years where I think DJ Moore is gonna produce at a very high level. He had a career high in receptions, yards, touchdowns, and fantasy points per game this season. He was 10th in target share, eighth in the air yards, fifth in deep targets, eighth in yards after catch, top 15 of both fantasy points per target and yards per route run, right? He he did fantastic this year. It was, if you've been following DJ Moore, if you've been on the DJ Moore train, this was what you were hoping for. You've been hoping for it for probably the last four years. We thought we had it in 2021 when he had 93 receptions, 163 targets, but he only had 1,100 yards and four touchdowns, right? So the fancy production just wasn't quite what you wanted it to be. But this season, seeing 14.2 yards per reception, Seeing almost 100 receptions, over 135 targets, and then finally getting into the end zone that was huge from DJ Moore. And I, and there's no way the Bears don't look at him at this point. And you knew they looked at him at this point from the trade that they made as part of, you know, selling um, the number one last year to yeah. go to get him. You knew they viewed him as the new alpha, the next, like we talked about, it, the AJ Brown, the next, you know, Stefan Diggs, right? Viewed him in that way, hoping that he'd propel Justin Fields to be better. Mm-hmm. And I run a real quick fly through some of the Justin Fields' stats. We talked about Desmond Ritter, twenty-five attempts a game. Fields this last season, twenty-eight. Right. So for DJ Moore, no matter what, he's not going to see less pass attempts this next season. Right. Coming as net less targets coming his way. Justin Fields also sixty-one point four percent completion percentage. There were only two quarterbacks in the top thirty fantasy points per game. Uh, or in fa- of fantasy points this last season who had a worse completion percentage. I'll give you a guess on those two quarterbacks.
0: Uh, I'm going to guess Sam Howell based on purely volume.
1: uh Not Sam Howell, actually. Really? Sam Howell was 63.4, so beaten by two percentage points.
0: Oh, wow. um I, I mean, then they're both bad. The, like Aiden O'Connell's and Desmond Ritter's of the world.
1: No, both were higher.
0: All right. Well, now I'm, I'm out of guesses what? because I'm –
1: so one guy you probably didn't think was going to be in the top 30 that just snuck in there is Mr. Zach Wilson at 60. Oh, sure.
0: God, Yeah, I could have. Yeah, I should have guessed that. Yeah. And then that, the should other been, guy, that should have been before Desmond. Rittering, and then the no other God. guy
1: was a rookie this year is Bryce Young at 59. Oh, every yes. other quarterback in the top 30. Um, actually, every other quarterback in the top 40, except for Will Levis and Joe Flacco adding to that list, had a better completion percentage. Than Justin Fields this last year, and I'm not saying that to say like like to crap on Justin Fields, right? I think Justin Fields can still be a decent quarterback in the NFL, but what I'm saying is from a pa- purely passing perspective, it's not going to get worse for DJ Moore. He's not going to see a worse completion percentage. He's not going to see less targets, even if they continue to bring in somebody. Because if they're bringing in someone, they're still looking at DJ Moore as that alpha wide receiver one. And the best thing is, in this spot, it seems like his new quarterback's going to be Caleb Williams. Yep. And if it's Caleb Williams, they're going to throw the ball a lot. They're going to let this man cook, right? Because they're looking at him as generational. And Caleb Williams already showed, hey, I'll throw the ball deep, right? He, he has shown that in college. He has shown that he can make some fantastic throws. And for DJ Moore, that's what you want to see, right? He want to see that yards per reception stay above 14. You want to see him find the end zone. And so I think if DJ Moore can get Caleb Williams, that's only going to, you know, just increase his stock for me. And I don't think DJ Moore's looked at it as a top 12 wide receiver consensus. I, I just think, I think maybe people haven't ranked there. Right. Do you feel, you don't feel like, no, he's teetering on that edge of that, like uh Puka Nakua Garrett Wilson, you know, realm, but he's, right. he's right there. Like he's like a tier, you know, just the tier below. So I think that's why he's shooting up my board is because I really think that he is going to be a top 10 wide receiver for the next Three to five years.
0: Yeah, I think when you look at DJ Moore, I think a lot of people are going to clump him into the you know Michael Pittman, mm-hmm. Devonta Smith, DK Metcalf, Nico Collins kind of tier. Right. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna look at uh DJ Moore and think, yeah, you know what? This guy actually belongs in the upper echelon of the Jalen Waddles and mm-hmm. the Chris Olave's, uh, despite DJ Moore being better than both this year. Yes. Uh, and DJ Moore being the number one wide receiver on his offense. And DJ Moore, seeing his role change this year, like you said, I mean, I, I pulled up his PFF numbers here. I mean, his yards per route run spiked from 1.74 last year to 2.31 this year. Also had a career high in yards after the catch as well. So what Chicago cared about was getting the ball into his hands because they know, hey, this guy is a playmaker. Yeah, it if makes we this happen any shot at winning games, we need the ball to move and it moves when it's in DJ Moore's hands. So I I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I'm the lowest out of the three of us. Like you mentioned, Uh, you're at nine, I'm at 12, but that being said, I I do think he belongs in, you know, this upper two tiers of players. I mean, I I still think the, the tier one is, Oh, yeah. very very clear and even if you want to put him in a tier three but yep. you know I, I think he is included before the break of brandon Ayuk, michael Pittman, devonta smith etc cetera, etc cetera, mm-hmm. in our rankings i'm 100 with you on that for sure uh let's keep it moving i'll talk about a pass catcher we spoiled him a little bit earlier in the episode so i'll try and keep my my thoughts a little bit shorter but i'm not gonna be able to help it because you know me i absolutely love talking about tight ends on this podcast uh it is one of my favorite things mm-hmm. to do I can't help myself with a good tight end. Uh, Trey McBride, he's our consensus tight end to across the board. Uh, he is a tight end, two for all of us. And Trey McBride went from, in my opinion, being one of the most head-scratching and disappointing picks of the 2022 NFL draft for fantasy football to now potentially one of the best, if we're being perfectly honest. Because uh, once Zach Ertz got out of his way for good in week eight, I mean, unfortunately, it was by injury, but once he got out of the way, I mean Trey McBride was a tight end three in PPR formats the rest of the way, third in receiving yards, third in target, second in receptions. And he like he was treated as the top receiving option for this team. It wasn't just like, hey, you know what? Yeah, Trey McBride, we want you to play an increased role in this offense as a tight end. No, they treated this guy as the number one option. I mean, he ran 2.47 yards per route, which was fourth best. He racked up 260 yards after contact as well, ranking third of all tight ends. And specifically, I love, 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 love seeing the yards per route run numbers spike for him because this is what we always see from the stud tight ends in the NFL. Travis Kelsey, early in his career, from 2015 to 2016, his yards per route run went from 1.89, 1.89, excuse me, to 2.25. George Kittle in 2017 to 2018, ready for this, 1.42 to 2.82. Mark Andrews, then the following year, he went from 1.96. To 2.68. This is what we see from the elite guys. The yards per route run spiking is a sticky metric that we see across all stud tight ends. I think Trey McBride's going to fit into that category. Now the only knock you can really give him is like you mentioned earlier, that they're probably going to bring in a, a Marvin Harrison Jr. Or a, a Malik neighbors. If he does go to Chicago early, maybe a Roma Dunze. right? It seems likely they're going to land, you know, one of those top three guys, but it's still going to take time as we talked about with Rasheed Rice for these young guys to translate and get acclimated to NFL game speed. And I just don't see anyone else claiming either that Trey McBride needs to be 140, 150 target guy like Prime Travis Kelsey. Nobody is claiming that. And I don't think Trey McBride needs that to be this upper echelon, top two tight end in dynasty format. So in an offense that's still being led by your guy, Kyla Murray. That's still in the middle of a rebuild that will still be playing from behind in games. McBride is clearing away a top three dynasty tight end. He's top two in our books, and especially at only 24 years old. I mean, that's icing on the cake. There's You're going to have a lot of more good quality years from Trey McBride as long as Kyler Murray is still on the team, as long as they're continuing to rebuild this offense. And frankly, the more they, they build around Kyler Murray, Trey McBride in this offense, the more proficient this offense is going to be which will actually probably lead to more quality opportunities for Trey McBride. So you have a long shelf life here with Trey McBride. Frankly, it's it's time to get in on the party if you haven't already. Uh, uh, I am very sad that uh, I didn't make more effort to try and tr- make a make a few trades for Trey McBride this past off season, knowing that Zach Ertz was going to age out eventually. And it was only going to be a matter of time. So uh, I love Trey McBride. He is he is by far one of my favorite skyrocketing players this off season. Uh, tight end two overall in dynasty formats. I think that's very, very appropriate.
1: Oh, 100%. It's, it, we're definitely getting in this new group, fresh, you know, tight ends coming in. Him, Laporta, we talked about Kincaid. You know, you could even consider Pitts still young. Um, right. that are just kind of coming up. I think they're really going to start taking this by storm. And I really think there, there are a lot more Travis Kelsey's than there are George Kittles, meaning there's a lot more pass-catching tight ends, right, that teams are moving to. Than guys who are expected to be great at both. I think a lot more teams are looking at almost that Viking model of right. You have the John Oliver who you bring yeah. in, you, you sign for a decent contract. He's just Oliver. a b- yeah. John, Josh, whatever uh, the,
0: the, the, the J the J O you you know, three of the four what, letters, right? But the one that's, that's what I meant, J.
1: that's what I meant. Um, but, you know, that's what I think. And then you got TJ Hawkinson as your pass catching who, you know, needs to be decent at blocking, but I think is gonna be more of that pass catcher. I think that's what they, are looking for here um Zach Ertz has you know it hasn't always been pretty from a fancy perspective but commanded targets over his yes. you know ten tenure in Arizona uh so this is something you know that Kyler you know uh, is a position he likes to throw to this is a position that um I think that Arizona is just going to continue to use and Trey McBride like you said he looked really really good when he was out there and so there's no reason to doubt you know, you bring in a rookie wide receiver. Okay. He's probably just replacing Marquise Brown. Right. I mean, maybe he sees a little bit more targets, but I, I gotta say Trey McBride has probably one of the safest roles among, you know, young tight ends out there.
0: Yeah. I mean, and and you saw, um, Jonathan Gannon, right. Coming from the Arizona Cardinals or from the Philadelphia Eagles, excuse Mm -hmm. me, to be the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, coming from an offense that did focus its attention to Dallas Goddard, um, Drew Petzing, then building an offense that, tailored its focus to getting the tight end involved. And those are two guys who are in the middle of this rebuild. They're, they're not leaving anytime soon. I mean, they have no reason to leave unless if, you know, the rebuild takes four years and they make zero progress. I think they're going to make some progress with the draft capital that they have, uh, and the opportunity and flexibility that they have in the upcoming years now with how much cap space that they have. So, uh, I am hundred percent with you there. Um, yeah, the, I think Trey McBride is part of this new era of the next young stud tight ends. And he, he and Samuel Porta are the face of that right now. Uh, so I absolutely love Trey pride. He has definitely been skyrocketing on my rankings. Let's do one more round here, Cameron. Uh, you got a quarterback. I got a running back. We want to talk about as much as it pains us to talk about this quarterback hailing from the the great white North of Minnesota. I also don't think we've been shy about giving this guy his flowers as well.
1: Yeah, it's Jordan Love, and I'm gonna be honest. Ty was supposed to have this guy. This was one of his guys, and me, Lucas, each took one from him. But the reason I, I'm okay with talking about Jordan Love is he's our he's our quarterback. Twelve. I do have him at the lowest at twelve. You have him at ten. Tyler has him at nine. But it's because I liked his wide receiver, and one guy I almost talked about was Jaden Reed. And for me, I think it's actually going to be easier to talk about Jordan Love than it is Jaden Reed because these wide receivers in Green Bay are still fighting for their pecking order. We haven't seen full Christian Watson. You know, what does it look like when Jaden Reed's in there? Then you got Dontavian Wicks, you got Romeo Dobbs, right? You got a lot of pass catchers who are going to be pretty decent um, for Green Bay. Uh, you got the two tight ends then as well Luke Musgrave, Tyler Kraft. So, and then, I mean, obviously, Aaron Jones, I think, should still be there. His I don't remember his contract situation off the top of my head. Um, I believe
0: he's got one more year, but he could one be more a cap year. Season, so, season. I'll triple yeah. check
1: that. Yep. And then, I mean, you got A.J. Dillon, who I think actually, I think Dillon might be a free agent. Um, but they'll have a running back who will be decent there as well. And. You know what? I don't think truly anyone outside of Green Bay was really convinced on Jordan Love going into the last year. And even inside of Green Bay, I don't think they were truly convinced that Jordan Love was going to be that guy. And now he's sitting around this, you know, quarterback 10 through 12 range. His year two jump was was great from at the the way he ended the season. Week 11 on. Quarterback 2 in fantasy points, in fantasy points, quarterback 4 in fantasy points per game. 70% completion percentage. 2,150 passing yards, 18 tutties, and one interception in eight games. Right There, there really isn't much more you can ask from Jordan Love um, than that, over 250 passing yards a game. Right, He's thrown for over two touchdowns a game and then only one interception in that time. On the year, he was still quarterback five, quarterback six in points per game, second in red zone attempts, second in air yards, top 10 in most efficiency metrics, um, yards per attempt, air yards per attempt, fancy points per drop back. And as we look look more into the future, his pass catchers are only going to get better, right? I mean, they were very young this year. One of the youngest, you know, wide receiver groups in the NFL. They might have been the youngest wide receiver room in the NFL. Uh, don't quote me on that, but for sure, one of the youngest. One of
0: the youngest. Yeah. And they
1: have a. They're going to have a decent offensive line because that's what Green Bay does. And Matt LeFleur, I think, has proved that he is a very good pass or a play caller. And let's not forget, I mean, they were a couple plays away from beating San Francisco in the playoffs, right? I mean, they they had them, and then, you know, San Francisco came back at the end. Jordan Love um, missed a throw, trying to make something happen, a throw across his body. But, right, he had them in position where they could have potentially won that game, moved on to Detroit, and who knows what would happen after they looked fantastic and dismantled the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, they destroyed them in Dallas. The reason for me that I have him a little lower is from a fantasy perspective. I'm still very high on Dak Prescott, and I still think that Trevor Lawrence has the capability of taking that next step. That's the only reason I'm lower. But I think this Kyler Murray to Jordan Love, I think that's kind of a tier right now of guys that have been, you know, have shown flashes, and it's just okay. Can we get really get true consistency out of them moving forward? Um, So I, I think that Jordan Love is definitely worth going to get now i talked about with kyler of a patrick mahomes for kyler murray plus i don't necessarily know if i'm you know at the trust level to do that yet depending uh, obviously depend what the plus is, but we're looking at guys like joe burrow i'm looking at guys like maybe even justin herbert i would trade one of those two for a jordan love plus um Mm -hmm. to just add you know if you need an extra death piece because i think the gap is going to be close enough between those two moving forward
0: I really do like Jordan Love moving forward. I mean, there was just so much promise, man. Not only mm-hmm. did he get it done with his legs, but I mean, he proved he could He could be, He could could toss touchdowns as well. Yes. Uh, I mean, there was very few weeks where we saw uh, Jordan Love go for less than 19 fantasy points. I really got to throw up his numbers right now. I was really distracted uh, by figuring out Aaron Jones' contract situation because he's done a lot of restructuring. Basically, if he's a post-June 1 cut, Green Bay would save $11 million against the cap, or mm-hmm. they could restructure him and save just shy of eight million dollars against Cap as well. So you have your answer there. But I mean, you look at a second half of the season, man, and from week 10 on, he only had one game with less than 17 and a half fantasy points. I mean, you just you just don't see that. Now I'm gonna pull up his fantasy points um during that stretch. Well, no, never mind, I'm not going to because that's gonna take me a while. But all that to say, I I, I have high hopes for Jordan Love, man. I can't believe Green Bay found another one it feels inevitable that he's going to be the next guy, um, you know, to step up and potentially overthrow, you know, uh, uh, a Trevor Lawrence, a, some of these other guys, like a two attacker who was in the top 10 at one point. I think he, I think he might be the next big thing, man. I'm, I'm terrified of that, yeah. of how good he could potentially be. Yeah. You look at the back half of the season. He was a quarterback three overall. I mean, that's not, prescriptive of how he's going to be this season but again this team is only going to get better in my eyes matt lafleur is totally capable as a play caller and coach it pains me man but i think green bay got another one i think they got another good one i don't know if he's gonna be an all-time great they got themselves another one and for fantasy football uh for how young jordan love is for how much you know tread on the tires he still has 25 years old man i can't believe that um he'd be, he'd be a hot commodity. I'd be trying to go after this off season. If, uh, someone's looking to uh, move off of him for, for picks at all.
1: Yeah. He definitely has a, uh, Dak Prescott fantasy ceiling. To yes. me, And yep. I think a lot of people hear that and they're like, Oh, they, you know, but we're talking about a guy who on any given year years, are top we talking about quarterback. the
0: quarterback one in the back half of the season this exactly. year? Like, you know, like and and what are we what doing?
1: The, yeah. I think it's He's got a crazy high ceiling of a guy who could be easily 4,500 yards, 35 touchdowns multiple years in a row. Um, and, you know, his running backs, like I talked about him earlier, they were not good this last year. They totaled 1,200 rushing yards on under four yards per carry combined. So, you know, I mean, it's not going to get worse from that perspective. So, yeah, I, unfortunately, I think there's a lot of good things to come for Jordan Love.
0: I'll uh, wrap us up here with one more guy. Uh, let's fly through Tajay Spears. I don't want to fall victim to like false hope, but at the same time, we knew he was going to be playing from behind uh, Derrick Henry last year. Even still, though, he he was an exciting prospect coming out. He, he showed uh, some really nice flashes at uh, the Senior Bowl last year. Really got on a lot of people's radars there. Uh, Ty was extremely high on Ty J Spears coming out. Uh, I liked Ty J. Spears as well. So then going into the season, right? Playing behind Derrick Henry, how good can it actually be? Well, I don't know if anybody expected it, but he was widely used as a receiving back. He was top 10 in receptions, targets, uh, yards per touch, juke rate, breakaway run rate. Even when he did get a running opportunities, He's 13th in fancy points per opportunity as well. And so, his his impact in the receiving game was much more prominent. And I think what continued to, to hold him back in people's eyes is like, okay, well, where is Derrick Henry going to end up after this year? Is he going to be, you know, a Tennessee Titan for life or is he going to find himself a new home after the season? And that seems, you know, inevitable at this point that Derrick Henry is going to leave the Tennessee Titans. Um, I mean, as of February 19th, happy half birthday to me. Um, Weird shout out. <laughs> We're a weird, weird <laughs> shout out, but you know, that's how we roll on this podcast. Uh, look, he's a lead back on the death chart. I love it. Uh, Derrick Henry is a free agent. Uh, I couldn't even tell you who the backup to uh, Spears is at this point. Julius Chestnut, Hassan Haskins, one of those two. Actually, Hassan uh,
1: Haskins might not be on the team anymore.
0: I was gonna say, I think it's Julius Chestnut. Is that my, I think my crazy? I
1: think I has- that Tennessee
0: has- Titans depth chart at any point. Tajay Spears is very clearly at the top. Um, mm. so then you, you got it.
1: Uh, I'm pulling up right now.
0: I'll wait for you to pull it. If, if it's, I, I feel like Julie's chestnut isn't right. It sounds like Joey chestnut and that like, scares me. It feels like I was pulled out the <laughs> hot dog eating champs name in actual NFL running.
1: Uh, guy. it is Hassan Haskins still. And then Julie's chestnut is the fourth. Oh. All
0: right. I I was right. I was right. But Julie, I got really scared there. I'm like, Oh boy, I'm not about to sound like an idiot. Um, but here's the thing about, about Tyrese Spears, right? Uh, lead back in this backfield. I think he does clear Hassan Haskins. They'll mix him in, but I think Ty J Spears will be the, the, the number one in that offense. For sure. You have a receiving floor then with him as well. You bring a Brian Callahan, who's probably going to have a better offensive system than Mike Vrabel and co. What the debate is about to J Spears is going to be how good is the offensive line going to be? Cause the Tennessee Titans offense by P- offensive line by PFF was the worst in the NFL last year. So they've got to apply some major reinforcements there in a year where the free agent offensive line class really isn't all that great. Uh, they'll probably load up in the draft. They'll have a great opportunity uh, to load up um, you know, early in the draft as well with um, the, one of the top three prospect tackles there. But again, it's the opportunity it's the better offensive system that he's getting. He has definitely shot up our rankings, you know, from being in the, you know, low, just stash him running back range to now, mm-hmm. like, okay, he might actually be, you know, a guy like a James cook, um, uh, a, uh, Rashad white, where it's like, okay, you know what, maybe you should go take your shot on some of these guys after they're disappointing going on disappointing rookie seasons, because they have a chance, you know, to potentially skyrocket to be a top 15 guy this year. Like, I don't think that's out of the cards for Tajay Spears.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you could if he could fill in like a Joe Mixon role, holy cow. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, Joe
0: Mixon's a great example. It's yeah. gonna
1: be, you know, especially with Brian Callahan, right? They've just coming from yep. the Bengals. That that could be huge. I mean, you're looking at a guy who could be top ten, and it's not gonna be necessarily pretty, right? The volume might no. be disgusting, but at the same time, like you said, they're not in a position where they're gonna go out and sign someone, you know, a big time running back. No, they might sign someone who maybe cuts into carries a little bit. But Tajay Spears is going to have fantasy value in 2024, and it's just you know for where he's going, like right now, I think best ball drafts he's running back 20 or something around that area. I think he's Um, even
0: lower than that. I want to say he's in the like 27 range, which is shocking to me.
1: So for 2024, right? I mean, that's fantastic, fantastic redraft value. Look at dynasty, like we're talking. I mean, you could get him for relatively cheap, right? If you can pay a second round pick for. Tajay Spears and take that chance to have a guy for the next couple of years um, you know as you're running back three running back two I think that's it I'm I would definitely take the chance on him right now
0: mm-hmm. I'm looking up where he's at a basketball drafts because I do think that that's a fascinating um, I I couldn't believe how low because I'm getting him in a handful of drafts in uh in basketball right now uh, oh maybe he has skyrocketed up a bit now uh oh my gosh yeah he definitely has since i started drafting uh he's a running back 18 right now Oof. when i started drafting he was going after um yeah like the raheem mostert sanaji harris is the james connors of the world um you know he was down in that you know 25 26 range now he's all the way up at 18 so mm-hmm. i think you're going to start seeing a lot of other people who are definitely in an on yeah. uh and he so is he definitely skyrocketing up.
1: up what was that So you gotta make your move now, is what we're saying.
0: Yes, yeah. You got if you're if you're going to Snag Tajay, you gotta make your move now because I think there is a real chance. You know, he he does fill a Joe Mixon-esque role going into 2024. Mm. Anything you want to add before we sign out here? No, I don't think so. I think
1: that's I mean, we're fully in dynasty season. This is when you make drafts. This is when you call your shots, especially if you know for the draft. If you got a you know, inkling, hey, Mar, you know, Marvin Harrison is gonna be going to Arizona, maybe I wanna you know, get that connection with, uh, get the quarterback who's going to be connected to him. Then yeah, you go trade for a guy like Kyler Murray. So I think now is kind of when you trust your gut and make, make some of those big, big fun trades.
0: Yeah. Uh, we will be transitioning as you said, fully to dynasty. We've already been doing that with our dynasty rankings here on the YouTube channel. So make sure you go check those out. By the time you hear this, we will have gone through, uh, our quarterback running back and wide receiver dynasty rankings. Uh, we will be releasing our tight end rankings tomorrow, we're going to be talking about uh, Dynasty Buys and Sells next week with a fun guest as well. You are not going to want to miss that episode. Uh, honestly, I think it's uh, long overdue that we have that guest on our show. Would you agree? For
1: sure. Oh, 100%.
0: Long overdue. Uh, it's going to be a blast next week. We're going to have a lot of fun talking Dynasty Buys and Sells with our guests. So make sure you subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when that podcast comes out. Uh, if you're watching over on YouTube, thanks. Mm-hmm. much uh, Again, make sure you subscribe to those notifications there. For those listening to the audio version, thanks for being loyal over there. Uh, we greatly, greatly appreciate you all. If you're not subscribed to the podcast already, make sure you do that so you can be alerted when those episodes go up as well. Look, if you want more content on the socials, FFL is on Twitter, the FFL is on Instagram, Fantasy Football Fellows, Facebook, YouTube here, uh, and on TikTok. We're still coming out with content all year long, whether it's uh, free agent rankings, whether it's trades we want to see. We're doing NFL mock drafts as well. There's so much content that we still have coming out for you all, so don't miss out on any of it. We will see you all next time. I am at Lucas Munsell on Twitter, CamLawFFF FFF for Cameron. Ty will be back next week with our guest as well. Ty, I hope, uh, hope Mo got his nails clipped all nice and pretty. Mm. I hope you don't got those. Uh, uh, I just saw a video about it on uh, TikTok. I can't remember what they were called. Like when you got fur all over your paws. I can't remember <laughs> No, there's a specific name that they use.
1: Better name than Lucas.
0: I know. I'm kind of into it now. Uh, it thanks for tuning in. I'm just going to close this out. We will see you all next week to talk Dynasty buys and sells. Until uh, then, stay safe, stay healthy. We'll see you all soon. Deuces.
1: Deuces.